Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted this morning to have uh, Bruce Cohen on. Hey, Bruce Cohen, unmute yourself. Let's get into this conversation. <laughs> Good morning. I'm delighted to be on with you. How are you? I, well, full disclosure, I was very honored with my husband to get to be guests at the state dinner at the White House last night. So I am in Washington, D.C. and all good. Oh, and you're up this early? I still would be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> this is late for me. <laughs> oh, okay. You're an early riser. One of these people, I get up at four o'clock. <laughs> oh, no, not four o'clock. Not four o'clock. So let me just tell people about your Yale alum. Uh, you produce, you are one of the producers of Rustin. Um, you are known for, uh, 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 let's see. Uh, Milk, which uh, Academy Award nominated Milk, Silver Linings Playbook, which I love, 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 and American Beauty. And so now you're producing Rustin, which is the story of uh, Bayard Rustin, who was the architect of the uh, March on Washington that almost was lost to obscurity. And here we are. Yes, that is correct. Bayard Rustin made history. He changed history and history repaid him by forgetting him. Mm. So what was it about this story, uh, Bruce, that said, you know what, I, I really want to do this? I had known about Bayard. There was a beautiful documentary in the 90s called Brother Outsider. And I remember seeing it then and thinking, why does no one know the story of the man who created the March on Washington? <clears throat> and then Dustin Lance Black and Julian Brees, who had written the screenplay, um, sent me the script. I'd worked with Dustin on Milk. And so I was super excited to get a script about Bayard. And then when I read it, I just loved it. And I knew that if I could play any part in changing the narrative around the fact that no one knows who he is and that he's been lost to history, but that this could be a chance to reverse that, I was all in. Okay, so so you say, all right, I'm all in. And then you assemble a team because, listen, this cast is ridiculously heavy hitting. I, I'm impressed by, by the caliber of talent in this one film. <laughs> well, the two things that really um, solidified the team and help us put together that amazing cast is that first we went to George C. Wolfe, the brilliant stage and film director. He had directed the original production of Angels in America. He had just directed the film of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom two years ago. And so he was really our first choice to direct Rustin. And then uh, fortuitously, while we were trying to get this movie made and we were learning again and again that no one knows who Bayard Rustin is, I remembered thinking, well, I know one person who knows who Bayard Rustin is. And the person I was thinking of was who had presented Bayard Rustin with the Presidential Medal of Freedom ah. posthumously 10 years ago on the 50th anniversary of the march. And that was President Barack Obama. And as these, sometimes the universe works out in these magical ways, President and Mrs. Obama had just opened their production company, Higher Ground at Netflix, the month before. So we had the idea of let's send this script to the Obamas and see if they wanted to come on board. And that was a real game changer for getting it made once they say once they said yes and once Netflix said yes. Oh, wait. And then and then the, the icing on the cake is the music. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, Brantford Marsalis is pretty big. 
But then you get Lenny Kravitz to sing the song. And I'm thinking to myself, this movie is just way over the top, gorgeous and beautifully uh, presented. Well, Bramford and George have this incredible collaboration. This is the third movie they've done together. And they really work back and forth, which is um, incredible. And I'd never seen it before between a director and a composer. Sometimes George would put together a sequence and send it to Bramford and Bramford would write music to it. And sometimes Bramford would just write music and send it to George and then George would edit a sequence to Bramford's music. So it was really amazing to watch them work. I am obsessed with Branford's score. I think it is so beautiful and incredible and really propels the movie along from start to finish. And then when it came to an end title song at the end, it was a really high bar because spoiler alert, the film has just ended with the March on Washington and what George C. Wolf really wanted a song that starts at the feeling you already have at the end of the film and takes you to some new place. So Mm -hmm. we were thinking, you know, who's an artist that might have the um, power and and, uh, passion to do that? Um, I've, I've known Lenny for decades. We've actually been really good friends for many, many, many years. Um, and a really family. I'm a godfather to his daughter, Zoe. Um, <laughs> and so we went to Lenny and fortunately he said yes. And spectacularly he wrote Road to Freedom, which just uh, sends you out of the theaters soaring. Oh, it did. I mean, I, well, I had the pleasure of uh, Netflix sent me the opportunity to screen it last night and, and I watched and I was going, it was, it was just the right ending, just the right ending. Uh, but what, what I was really struck by is this cast. This is a really interesting cast. Heavy hitters. You got Glenn Turman, you got Chris Rock, for God's sake, uh, CCH Audra McDonald. Audra Mc- and, and I think um, uh, Mr. Wright, who is probably one of the best actors of our time in yeah. this thing. And I'm thinking, and then Coleman uh, Domingo, who is who is physically gorgeous looking, right? Like he's physically gorgeous looking. But he he made me believe he was uh, Bayard Rustin. Like he made me believe it. Well, the cast is due to three words, or maybe nine words, George C. Wolf, George C. Wolf, George C. Wolf. Um, he is known for his beautiful work with actors. Every actor in the business dreams of getting the chance to work with George. And he has an ensemble of actors who he loves to work with, who sort of follow him everywhere. And those include Coleman Domingo, Glenn Turman, Audra McDonald, and Jeffrey Wright. So those four were really the linchpin. Those are kind of his go-to actors. They're coincidentally four literally of the best actors working today, if not in history. And so fortunately for us, all four of them wanted to be a part of this project. And that's where we started. And as you can imagine, once you have those four in your movie, (laughs) it becomes a lot easier to cast the Chris Rocks and CCH Pounders and Adrian Lawrence. Now, is that is that the beauty of having a George Wolf as as a director? Like who says no to him? Right. Like he could pretty much pick who he likes and and people just like know and trust that this is a worthwhile project. That is. And that's really part of the job of the producer is if you don't, you've got to have the right director and hopefully the perfect director for the project, or you're going to be pushing that rock uphill from the get go. So in the case of Bayard Rustin, just one of the many reasons why we knew 
that George was the perfect director is that he was going to be able, and he did assemble this all-star cast to tell this all-star story to make sure that when this movie hits theaters on November 3rd and then is on Netflix on November 17th, our dream is that Bayard Rustin is not going to be lost to history anymore. And from now on, people are going to know who he is and know what he did. I, I love the way that, because uh, I, I think, and, and I, I'm not, um, I'm not a, a, a homosexual, but I am a black woman. And I, 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 and I, and I understand sometimes tropes and, and, uh, and, and that you can portray people not as who they are, but, but what the general, what people think they are. And I think this film does a really good job of um, centering his homosexuality, but not in the usual way that we tend to think homosexuals are. Like he was a real human being with, he was witty and he was funny and he was charming and he was, you know, and he was thoughtful. Well, I love that you said all of that. And, you know, intersectionality, which is this beautiful, powerful term that I love that's around now, which is this idea of if we don't all have rights, none of us have rights. And the minute we're in one underrepresented community, if we're not embracing and believing in and empathetic towards members of another underrepresented community, then we're part of the problem. We become the oppressors. Mm -hmm. And that's an idea happily that's gaining more power now and in the nick of time because you know what's happening now is all of our rights are at risk. Black people are losing their rights, gay people are losing their rights, women are losing their rights in ways that we didn't even think was possible five years ago. We thought, oh, the battle's won, we have all these rights and now they're being yanked away from us. So if we're not all in this struggle together, we don't have a shot. And Bayard Rustin understood that 60 years ago. He was putting these coalitions together, this coalition that he brought together for the march, rich, poor, black, white, working class, young, old. That's the coalition that we're going to need to put together again if we're going to survive. I, I think you're absolutely right, Bruce. And uh, and I'll tell you what else I loved about the film. I felt like I was seeing behind the scenes of that moment of time because everybody likes to romanticize the March on Washington, but there was a lot of backfighting and a lot of backstabbing in that, in those moments. And it wasn't all, it wasn't just uh, everybody was like, we all going to go along with Dr. King. There were people in his midst who was not in line with that whole, let's do this. Let's peacefully do this. Let's, why are we doing this? So I'm, I am fascinated by the ability to sort of look behind the, the curtain on all of that. Well, your calling that out just made President Obama very happy because that was one of his big, beautiful, powerful notes to us is when he read an initial draft of the screenplay, which he loved, he said, you know, people today, they think marches are marches. You know, they've seen the Women's March and with Black Lives Matter, thank God we were all out in the streets marching. But this, at this time, there had never been a march before. Bayard invented this idea of hundreds of thousands of people marching. And so President Obama really wanted to make sure we showed the behind the scenes of how that came together, how the different groups 
fought and ultimately joined sides, how the sandwiches were made, how the latrines were ordered, because he felt like you really want an audience watching it today to understand that this was invented by Bayard for the March on Washington in 1963. And and I think he had nerves of steel. Like you have to have a lot of guts and a lot of nerves of steel because he was catching it from a lot of places from, from the security detail, not really wanting to be a security detail from people within the NAACP who were feeling some kind of way about this. And from um, Martin Luther King, who was, I believe his mentor and dear friend who was, you know, a little uneasy about this too. Absolutely. George Wolf likes to say, which I love, you know, people ask various versions of the question, like how could Fired Rustin have been out in 1963, which is a great question because literally no one was. I mean, being out was not really even a thing. And here's this Black gay man living proudly as a Black gay man. And what George always says is, Fired literally did not have time to feel shame around being gay. He's like, I have a march to plan. I cannot even spend a minute on worrying about that. And I just love that so much. And, and I, you know, and I know like his love interest was, I, from what I read, was a composite of folks because you don't want to out people, you know, you don't want to unintentionally out people. Um, and I, but I think it was handled with such care. Like it was very loving. Like it was done beautifully. It didn't seem like harsh or over the top, it just seemed just the right amount of care with this, with this, with his love interest. Thank you, and and yes, you're right. Our research showed that there were there were probably several closeted gay ministers who were active in the civil rights movement. None of them ever came out. In many cases, even today, their families don't even know. So we were we clearly knew there was no way we were going to be outing anyone, which is why we created the composite character. But we've already in screenings, people will come up to us who were there then and will say things like, I know who that character is. So we feel like we definitely uh, got that right. Has the, has the Rustin family seen the film? Do they know of the film? Did they bless the film? There, well, there isn't much of Rustin family left because as you learn in the movie, his mom flew the coop and he was raised by his grandparents. And of course, they're long gone, who is around and who has blessed the film and who is part of the great journey we're on with screenings around the country is Walter Nagel, who was his partner. They met 10 years after the march and then they were together for the last 10 years of Bayard's life. And also Rochelle Horowitz, and a lot of the women, Joyce Ladner, Dory Ladner, the um, or the character in the film, that she went on to become Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. And she's been doing Q&As and Evolve. So we have a, a good group of the people that were actually around then and actually who knew and loved Bayard, who have loved the film. And we also... Um, had to show the King estate and the King family because we use a bit of the I Have a Dream speech. And so they had to bless the film, which they did, which had huge meaning to us. The fact that they stand behind this movie and are proud of it is just huge. Yeah, because they, they're, they're, not, they're not easily uh, ready to put the King name on stuff. Like they, they don't just willy-nilly 
say, we, you know, we stand with this, we do that. They're very, uh, they're very uh, discerning about when they stamp something. And so that's got to be a huge, huge uh, 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 blessing to have them Correct. say, okay, we like this. We were, um, I, we did a screening in Atlanta um, just a few nights ago and Andrew Young was there who had been at the civil rights movement, who was mayor of Atlanta, who was an ambassador. And he was, he at the end was saying, of all the films I've ever seen about the civil rights movement, this is the one who got it right. You got it absolutely right. And so, you know, that's why you you do things like this is to get comments and moments like that. Andrew Young had met Bayard in 1951. He was a student at a seminary in Connecticut studying yes. to be a minister <laughs> and which and MLK was there too at the same time which is in the new biography of MLK and it mentioned Andrew Young they were both in seminaries in Connecticut studying to be ministers in the early 50s and Bayard had come to Andrew's seminary and spoken to the kids there and you know Dr. King was here picking picking uh cotton uh tobacco in Co- yeah near New Haven yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 To make money for school. I know. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, good Lord. I, I love that um, there's still some civil rights uh, leaders still among us that can see this film and have a uh, a remembrance of about that moment and, and can speak to that moment. Um, um, well, have you have you, I, you heard from Andrew Young and Eleanor uh, Holmes Norton? Um, who who else is who else is around to sort of to think? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was 60 years ago, exactly. So there are certainly still a lot of people who are alive and around. I mean, we've heard, which is beautiful from a lot of just regular people when, you know, whenever we screen the film, you, older people will come up with this beautiful look in their eyes. And I think, oh, what are they going to tell me? And then they'll start saying, I was at the march and they'll tell their story. Um, my father was at the march and, you know, he was very moved by the film. And so that's been really um, powerful to get to give those people back, you know, another journey through their really strong memories of that day and then what it ended up meaning and how it changed the whole world. I I, I tell you, the film is very bright looking. Like it doesn't look dreary and tired. It looks as it's colorful. It's bright. Um, people look beautiful in it. You captured that moment. Was that was that deliberate? Because you you could have taken a different tone with how it looks. That that was very deliberate. Bayard Rustin was a wildly joyful, entertaining, charismatic, hilarious person, <laughs> and we felt the movie needed to be all of those things. There were various moments in production where both George and Coleman Domingo felt the presence of Bayard with us. And we started getting this very strong sense that if this movie isn't entertaining enough for Bayard, he is going to roll over in his grave and <laughs> kick all of our asses. And we did not want that to happen. <laughs> on, a, on a more serious note, Bruce, are you concerned about the folks who will object to this film, who will attach critical race theory to it, uh, the, the, the very uh, anti-gay folks and you know, they'll feel like this is teaching something or that's not. And I mean, do you concern yourself with with the pushback on this film? The I mean, that's been you know, that's been a theme in some of the work I've done, because certainly it happened with milk and certainly we will get it on this. And the headline answer is no. 
if we're upsetting the forces of darkness who want to take all of our rights away, then we've done something right. But also, but then in a more nuanced um, discussion, the film isn't really for them. The film is for two groups of people. The film is for the pre the film is to preach to the choir, to remind all of us who already believe in truth and justice for all. By uh, Coleman has that amazing line in the film: "They either believe in truth and justice for all, or they do not." And that's really the overall theme of the movie: is if you're thinking like, "Well, these people deserve their rights, but these people don't," you know, in to today's to the moment today, if if Israelis deserve their rights, but Palestinians don't, or the other way around, then no, you're missing the point, which is we either all have our rights or none of us have our rights. So for everyone who believes in that, this is hopefully, you know, inspiring and entertaining and, and a call to action and to get everyone to realize, well, look what he did. You know, what can I do? Um, as CCH Pounder says at the end of the film, did you make yourself useful today? And, you know, we hope that that's challenging our activist audience how am I going to make myself useful tomorrow? But then in some ways, the most exciting audience is that smaller, movable audience in the middle who may not think they want to see a story about a Black gay person. They may not think they have anything to learn from it. But if we can get them to see it, if they tune in in the theater or in Netflix, the film might actually change their minds just along the way that you were talking about the portrayal of all the issues. And if we can reach just a few people, you know, every person you reach who are like, oh, I never realized that me wanting my rights, but not wanting some other group to have theirs was an issue, you know, then we've really made some magic. Mm. Now, we all know that um, Black women in the march have been sort of relegated to the behind, back, and underneath. But uh, you censored some. You got Ella Baker in there, and uh, and you got C.C. Uh, Pounder, C.C.H. Pounder's uh, character in there. Um, that looked like it was, it felt very strategic. Like, you didn't want to leave a woman's voice out of it, even though they were kind of left out of it. Correct. It was, a, you know, we were, we knew a little bit, but the more Julian and Lance, and then when George came on board, we all did our research and higher ground. Because of course, when you're working with the Obamas, they have a very high standard of historical accuracy on everything. And the more we learned about how horrific women were treated and left out of the march, the more upset we were. It goes exactly to what I was just talking about. You know, here's this march who's espousing equal rights and claiming to fight for the rights of black people everywhere and they're leaving women out. I mean, <laughs> WTF, as we say, but you know, that was what happened in 1963. So we were like, okay, well, there's no way, there's no way we don't want to touch on that story. If we were just telling the story of the March, there wouldn't be that many women involved, which was part of the whole problem. So we really did want to tell that story the amazing Ella Baker, played by the extraordinary Audra McDonald, who people also don't know enough about, and she needs a movie of her own. She's actually one of the women who was not at the march. She refused to go because of how women had been treated. So, you know, the fact that you would throw the march on Washington and that Ella Baker doesn't show up in protest just shows you, you know, what a catastrophe that side of things was. Wow. So... I'm hoping that this film 
is is a very teachable moment for history. Like that's what I'm hoping that this film does. And I and I I think um, a wide audience could ex- see this. Like teenagers uh, and college students like could see this film. Is that is that your hope? Like who do you want to see this film? No, that absolutely is. We really hope that it will have mainstream appeal. That that a whole wide group of people see the film because it's exactly what I was talking about before. The the core audience and the the activists and the black queer community and black activists and people who are like, oh yeah, I want to learn more about Bayard Rustin. You know, of course, the the movie in many ways is for them, and we want and love for them to see the film. But the the fun of it and the excitement and the potential for it to be a teachable moment is that people who actually need the teachable moment will watch the <laughs> film. And it's one of also one of the things I'm a big believer in science for the universe. And it's one of the things that I really love about how it ended up being that this movie is for Netflix, because what's going to happen on on November 17th, when this movie goes up on Netflix with a touch of a button, this film about a man that no one has heard of is going to be in 169 countries in front of 300 million people instantly and no other pl- there's a, you know a, a theatrical distribution you could never get in front of that many people on the same day ever so that's really powerful and we're hoping that the film is going to spread out into the world and mm. really do some of the magic that I feel like it has within its heart and soul to do so Bruce, do you feel like this is your calling to work on films um, that speak to uh, injustice and human condition, and or, or or do you ever feel like I just want to make a silly little film? Like, what do you, can you see that for yourself? <laughs> I mean, certainly both. Like, I I I'm you know I, I I'm not only interested in doing projects that have this social action, social justice opportunity to change the world but it is certainly something that I didn't plan and the fact that it has happened I just feel I find it so humbling and I feel so honored to ever be in a position to help make a film that might do that so yes that's certainly a great passion of mine and something that I hope I never stop doing for as long as I'm making content. So you're coming to Yale on Saturday. When's the last time yep. you've been on this campus? <laughs> uh, I Well, I come back to Yale a lot. And like, I think last spring was probably the last time. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Last spring was the last time I was at Yale. Because you're I a love class of uh, 80, 83. 83. Yes. Yes. So you're yes. coming to screen the film at, um, under the Schwarzman Center uh, coordination. Uh, are Correct. you excited? I'm extremely excited. There's a lot of... Um, great folks from Yale who are coming. I have friends of mine coming. The uh, members of the administration are coming. We did a special outreach to uh, Black student groups, to queer student groups, to queer Black student groups to make sure that they <laughs> were all knew about the film and had a chance to come watch. So I cannot wait for Saturday night. And um, for those of you listening, if you want to come, hopefully there are, there are still tickets available and we'd love to have you come out and see the movie and I'll be there to introduce the film and to do a Q&A afterwards. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to it. So I look forward to meeting you. I thank you for I your time. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to meet you. I'm, this film is very beautiful. I enjoyed it. I watched it last night uh, and it had my full attention. And, I, and when it was over, I was like, man, I wanted to go a little bit more. Like I wanted a little bit more uh, because I just thought Coleman Domingo... Um, 
was just luscious in this. And, and so I agree. Is it, so when you make this film and maybe you can't say this, but does it, does it make the Oscar rounds? Do you, does someone have to put this in for that? Or do you wish for that or hope for that? We, we are making the Oscar rounds. We, you know, awards is one of the ways that you get your message out. It's one of the ways that you get your film noticed and, you know, voters and all these different um, categories, the, Oscars and the Writers Guild, SAG, all of these awards, um, you know, they, that's one of the things they're looking for is they love it, films that are entertainment, but they also love films that have this added aspect of having something to say and maybe changing the world in a positive way. It's one of the amazing things. And it's what I'm very proud to be a part of the entertainment industry is, you know, films and television shows are one of the ways that the message of change gets spread around the world. You can sometimes get your message across in an entertaining way on an important issue in a film with a movie star faster and more than any politician could ever do it in speeches for their whole lives. So, you know, that's a really important um, plus of what film and television can do and awards voters love that and respect that. So yes, we're definitely out on the trail, but that's not, you know, that's not why you make a film, but it is a beautiful, fun part of the process if you're lucky enough to be in the mix for things. Oh, I love it. And, you know, let me tell you something. Let me put in my bid right now. If your husband can't go with you to the Oscars, <laughs> I'm available and I have a ball gown. <laughs> okay. Well, you're, you're, actually, I think my 12 year old daughter has first dibs, <laughs> then my husband, but he's not a big, you might actually slide it ahead of him because sometimes he's happy to miss those events. So I'll keep you posted. <laughs> well, it, it was my pleasure to talk to you, Bruce Cohen. Thank you for making so much time available to talk about this beautiful, beautiful film. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for watching and enjoying this beautiful film. And I can't wait to meet you Saturday night. Yes, I'll see you Saturday night in the space. So Perfect. have a good Excellent. day. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go have some coffee, some breakfast, and uh, enjoy Washington. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you. All right. Harry, I'm out. So uh, I won't be on tomorrow because I'm going to go and uh, participate at Gateway at the uh, the new center that's opening um, tomorrow. And it's an all-day affair, Harry. So I won't be here tomorrow. I will be at Gateway at the Melton uh, McAvey Center for Equity and Justice for the day at uh, Gateway Community College. So so I won't be here on Friday. So I'll recap you on the weekend, about the weekend on Monday. And uh, I will definitely go, go and see this film one more time. Uh, uh, thank you, Schwartzman Center. And thank you, uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, uh, Natalie and Emily for coordinating this effort. Uh, this was so much fun. I enjoyed Bruce Cohen a whole lot. So thank y'all. I'll see y'all on Monday. Anyway, stay tuned. Uh, Harry probably will do Love Harry, Love Conspiracy tomorrow. <laughs> oh my Lord. <laughs> I'll see y'all next week. <laughs>